Welcome to AJHP Voices, now comprising interviews on contemporary pharmacy issues and discussions with AJHP authors. The service was formerly known as AJHP Podcasts. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices speaking with the two pharmacists who began in 2011, the Journal of Health System Pharmacy Residents. This publication is now being relaunched as the AJHP Residents Edition. With me is Dr. Brian C. McCarthy, Interim Director, Ambulatory Care Pharmacy Services, and also Clinical Coordinator for Quality Outcomes and Utilization at the University of Chicago Medical Center. And Dr. David P. Reardon, solid organ transplant clinical pharmacist, Yale New Haven Hospital, New Haven, Connecticut. Brian and David, thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation with me. Brian, uh, would you start, please, by describing what led the two of you to launch the Journal of Health System Pharmacy Residents in 2011? Yeah, absolutely. The short answer is the stars needed to align. The lengthier answer is hard to believe it was about five years ago now, but there was a lot of excitement in and around the profession related to postgraduate training opportunities, you know, specific to the PPMI and uh, the explosion in interest with postgraduate training opportunities. But in short, we realized at the time that there was close to 2,500 residency research projects being conducted across the country on an annual basis. And we also looked at the landscape of the literature available to publish in. And we're looking at the AGHPs, we're looking at the pharmacotherapies, we're looking at the annals of pharmacotherapy. And we didn't necessarily see that dedicated platform for residency research. So to that end, it was a glaring gap or a glaring niche that we targeted. And at that time, we understood that residency research may not necessarily be of the highest quality but we believe that it was still worth sharing for the benefit of the hospitals and health systems interested in reading about it, in addition to downstream to the patients that could be influenced and impacted. Mm -hmm. So we had gone live at the 2011 ASHP mid-year clinical meeting. Again, it was just amazing. From day one, the submission volumes had poured in. It seems as if it was drinking water out of a fire hose, and it was at that time <laughs> that um, I reached out to my close friend and colleague, David Reardon, who I had met at a Minnesota Society of Health System Pharmacy Residency Research Conference. And I knew that he had some expertise as far as the focus on the operations and the day-to-day logistics. Together, we collaborated. And David did a fantastic job, which he's, he's hoping to comment on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say this was Brian's brainchild from the beginning. He saw this need. He saw the niche that needed to be filled. and When he first approached me and brought this idea up and what his goal and what his mission would be in creating this new journal, I don't think I could have been more excited. So what I took on as my role wasn't necessarily the visionary, but more of how are we going to make this happen in real life? And so I focused on how can we increase awareness through like organizational listservs, communicating with deans of colleges of pharmacies, residency program directors. Let's get communication out there. Let's make it simple. Let's streamline this publication process. Let's create submission criteria and standards. But at the end of the day, the idea was so profound that we needed to ensure that everything we were doing was still maintaining that original vision and goal. Well, very good. 
you know, I'd like to hear from both of you where you were doing your residencies at the time and what your own research topic was as a resident. Brian? I was the inaugural PGY-1-2 MS uh, Pharmacy Administrative Resident at Hennepin County Medical Center. So with that two-year program, I had the opportunity to form two residency research projects, the first of which was focusing internally. It was with respect to the value of an in-service to increase the compliance with medication guide delivery for erythropoietin stimulating agent therapy in an oncology clinic. So really diving into compliance with FDA REMS programs or the risk evaluation mitigation strategies. But it was in the second year that I was kind of riding the wave of passion and momentum with respect to an interest in postgraduate training opportunities that decided to reevaluate the factors motivating pharmacy students to pursue residency and fellowship training. And when I say reevaluate, it was previously studied in the early 1990s, specifically being what are the three leading factors, if you will, of the pharmacy students that had pursued their specific residency programs. And obviously, there was a lot that had gone on in the profession between the early 1990s and 2010. We sought to reevaluate or reassess. And mm -hmm. uh, very interesting to conclude that a new leading factor for pharmacy students to pursue these opportunities was that they are a prerequisite for certain jobs, which you know I think all three of us knew, but that's the cool part of, of research is you have the ability to create facts. You can create Indeed. knowledge and uh, it, it becomes addicting. And uh, yeah. it was nice to pair up that passion with what we were hoping to accomplish with the journal. Right. Yeah. I love the way you explained that. Very good. David? I did my PGY-1 general practice pharmacy residency at Mayo Clinic Health System in Mankato, Minnesota, and my residency research project focused on pharmacoeconomic benefit of using ertapenem over piperacillin tazobactam for complicated skin soft tissue infections. So basically a single center retrospective analysis looking at clinical outcomes and was there a potential for cost savings doing a once daily versus multiple time per day infusions, decreased nursing burden, et cetera. I did my second year pharmacy residency. I specialized in critical care and did my residency at Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts. And I actually did two research projects that year. I looked at the transition of clotting factors from an internal blood bank to an inpatient pharmacy and got to focus on everything from the operations of this transition to clinical program development and clinical oversight. And I did a second project that was purely clinical, looking at early versus late vasopressin and septic shock. And what I really took away from these three projects that I had the opportunity to work on was how different research projects can be, but how big of an impact they could potentially have if you get this information to the right audience. So I was fortunate enough to be able to publish two of the three projects, and I feel like what we set out to accomplish with JHPR and what I was able to learn through doing these research projects is you need to find the right avenue to publish, and you need to find that right audience. And it's something that really stuck with me by being able to do these research projects. Yeah, very interesting. Well, well, David, before the two of you launched JHPR, you've alluded to this already a bit, but there had been some studies published that showed that relatively few residency projects were published in the peer review literature. What did you perceive as the main reasons for this? And how did you contemplate that your journal would change the situation? Sure. So I think the first thing to answer your first question, there are many reasons why Residency research projects don't lead to peer-reviewed publication. It includes that top-tier journals can be intimidating from the onset and that people don't necessarily want to submit things because they don't believe that they will be published. A lot of residency manuscripts may not be taken through to completion. They don't feel like they are robust enough to you know, actually significantly contribute to the literature. 
So when we created the journal, we wanted to decrease that intimidation factor. We wanted to create an avenue specifically for residents to publish. And we also were very honest with ourselves and with our colleagues and other residents in that we acknowledge that their research may not be as robust and may not be as original or as high of scientific quality as what's published in top-tier journals, but it was definitely still worth sharing. There are a lot of institutions that are doing quality improvement projects, residency research projects, MUEs, and they may not need to go through all their work if somebody else has already created the blueprint. Another thing that we did is really encourage residents to serve as peer reviewers so that they could see what their colleagues were doing, but then also hone their skills in reviewing and writing literature. And this helped create a sense of ownership over the journal. Ryan, did you have experience in journal publishing or have the advice of someone who did as you launched this project? Well, Bill, where I or we lacked experience in journal publishing, I would say that we made up for in knowledge seeking. I think it was Stan Kent in his inauguration speech as ASHP president a couple years back that said it takes 10,000 hours to become an expert. And while we may or may not have succumbed 10,000 hours, I can promise you we were well on our way. To that end, it's amazing what you can find when you look, you know, specifically online. I remember being on Amazon.com and ordering a textbook that said how to start a publication or a journal. I remember the first page said, you need to find a niche, and you know that we were convinced that we had. Having read that book and we, on the way to launching, uh, we had a number of informal requests for information, requests for proposal processes, you know, looking at submission platforms, looking at subscriber management systems, looking at publishing presses. And along the way, it's worth taking this opportunity to acknowledge some advisors that we had along the way, including Dr. Ronald Hatzel of uh, University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy, Mr. Stephen Bloom, who was at the time a vice president for business development at Diopharm Oncology, where I actually completed one of my student rotations, in addition to the, the PGY1 residency program director I had at the County Medical Center, Lynn Weber, all of which had positive, steadfast influence and encouragement in addition to those folks and the editorial board, we wouldn't be on this call today. And I'm happy to think back that this is what we were able to accomplish. Sure. Well, it is really important in life to acknowledge uh, mentors and advisors and uh, the names you listed. I'm certain we'll appreciate that recognition. So that's great. David, I wonder if you could briefly describe some of the key processes you use for certain critical facets of publishing, especially related to quality control. Sure. As Brian had mentioned, um, one of the first things that we did was we sought the knowledge of other people that had expertise in this area. And one of the things that we did was assembled an editorial board with people that were prominent in the profession of pharmacy that have different specialty areas, different knowledge that they could bring to the table. And we're actually very grateful to have such a large board of talented people to help guide us and help us get this thing up and running. We also sought a lot of diversity through our publishing experiences. We tried to get a wide array of different types of manuscripts submitted. And we used residents as peer reviewers so that they could not only learn how to review, but also take that back and use the skills that they learned from reviewing in their own manuscript development. We did have formatting standards for publication. We had uniform communication coming out from the editorial staff. And as Brian and I were starting this journal, we were also starting our careers. So as we were submitting our own papers, we were looking at what we liked about submission process from different journals and really cherry picking and trying to build our own journal and our own brand based on what worked really well with other journals. Well, Brian, 
perhaps you could pick up the conversation at this point. I'm curious uh, to hear you comment a bit on how the journal developed during these initial years of your tenure as editors. Reflecting back on it, it was just an outstanding experience for both, you know, David and I to see an idea essentially turn into AJHP Residence Edition. I mean, I have to pause and just reflect on that, that developed it did, but it was just, it was an incredible, incredible opportunity that I'll keep with me for a long, long time. As far as the development, I think it, it would be best to measure it on the influence that we had. I guess the objective way to, to measure that is we had a, a Google Analytics system set up on the back end that we could actually track the users that would you know log into our system and go to our website. And it was funny just to see a couple hits starting in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and you know then a couple hits in major metropolitan areas across the United States. And then you know it actually reached uh, worldwide. I mean, I don't want to exaggerate. It wasn't in every country across the world, but just knowing that what we were able to create uh, was influencing the sharing of knowledge within the pharmacy profession across the world. And again, that's something that I'll take with me for a very long time. Very good. David, uh, is there a sort of shorthand way that you can identify the major categories of papers that you published in the journal? Sure. So the main categories that we published um, were original research. So an example would be like evaluation of an extended infusion of terpersilentazobactam on antimicrobial efficacy. We've looked for quality improvement projects, such as impact of a pharmacist daily ICU rounding on hospital length of stay and readmission rates, as well as editorials from our leaders in clinical pharmacy practice on our editorial board. And then we also published posters that were presented at different conferences that residents were attending. And now that the journal is going to be published as AJHP Residence Edition, what will the role of the two of you be with the publication? Very proud to share that we have received formal appointments as contributing editors for AJHP Residence Edition. So with that, you know, comes the opportunity to, we've got an editorial coming, we hope to, or we aspire to write some more, but ultimately we aspire to be ambassadors for the journal. We want to carry the message into the brand and to the vision and goal that we initially had, which was to give pharmacy residents, both past and present, the opportunity to publish their work and influence the practice. Along those lines, we see ourselves as unique, serving as contributing editors and, and contributing to the AJHP editorial board because of our perspective and because of our youth. You know, it was funny when we began dialogue with ASHP at a mid-year clinical meeting about two years ago now, we sat down with both Richard Talley and Carol Wolf of the AJHP team. And it was just interesting dynamic. We had a wonderful conversation that flowed from, you know, our perspectives on the utilization of social media to our perspectives on going to online-only platforms. It was at that time we really felt that a collaboration between our teams was going to be special. You know, ultimately it led to the AJHP Residence Edition. It also excited us, both David and I, that we could leverage some of our youth and, and new perspective to the ultimate value and gain of not only AJHP Residence Edition, but also AJHP at the end of the day. David, would you like to add anything about your hopes for the new approach to publishing residence papers? I don't necessarily think that AJHP Residence Edition will be a new approach to publishing residence papers. What I see it as is an approach that's farther reaching. I think aligning JHPR with AJHP as AJHP Residence Edition, it will heighten the impact that these publications will have, and they will have an increased influence on the pharmacy community. AJHP 
key is already a multifaceted journal that aligns with operational studies, clinical research, clinical reviews, and commentary. And that is directly in alignment with the different aspects of resident publications. So I think the focus of what we were trying to accomplish with JHPR is basically just going to be magnified through AJHP Residence Edition. And I'd like to second a comment as far as the, the reach. You know, this is something that we had commented on in the in the forthcoming editorial that we had authored. As far as one of the most exciting things that we see in the publishing of AJHP Residence Edition is the readership, that extent. So in other words, with JHPR, we had a subscriber base of a couple thousand people. And with that, I had previously mentioned that we were reaching all over the earth. But that said, we felt responsibility to our colleagues and to our authors and to our patients that we wanted to reach even further. And so there was no better way than to collaborate with ASHP to go from a couple thousands to share with and to influence, but to tens of thousands of people. And ideally, not only within the profession of pharmacy, but some of that multidisciplinary professional influence as well. And so we're very excited in that regard. Well, Brian, the two of you have mentioned forthcoming editorial a couple of times. The editor-in-chief, Daniel Kobau, has an editorial in the April 15th issue that accompanies a call for papers for AJHB Residence Edition. He discussed the role of this Residence Edition in developing the practice-based research skills of residents. I'm curious, was this a part of your original vision? It was. But before I begin, I have to take a moment to commend that editorial written by Dan. If the listeners haven't read it already, I would strongly urge you to because he was spot on in his diagnosis as far as practice-based research in the profession of pharmacy is concerned, describing an opportunity as a cycle where individuals that aren't necessarily trained in practice-based research are responsible for training these residents in practice-based research. And so to that point, he described AJHP's vision being with this AJHP's residence edition, perhaps step one in reversing that cycle and providing a platform for the profession to learn research methodology early on. And to answer your question, Bill, that was absolutely something that was part of our vision. We essentially wanted to create a home for residents entering the profession to share their research in addition to converse and and create multi-center research and exchange ideas and perhaps increase their sample size in an an effort to achieve statistical significance across multi-centers. We believe that with AJHP Residence Edition in the coming years, achieving that is only a matter of time. You know, I wonder if you contemplate uh, this vision and how it'll be achieved, how it'll be operationalized, Do you have in mind any particular implications of this for residency preceptors? The implications for residency preceptors, it's pretty simple. By promoting resident research publication, we're hopefully going to strengthen resident research. And if we strengthen resident research, we're really hoping that we encourage preceptors to continue to grow in their own development, improve their own clinical practice skills as a whole, and hopefully we can even increase awareness of pharmacy as a researching profession. Well, as we draw our conversation to a close here, let me ask this. If a resident concludes a research project by writing a manuscript that she or he believes is highly original and in compliance with rigorous scientific methods, where would you recommend that this resident submit it? To the AJHB Residence Edition or to one of the established professional journals in pharmacy? So I'll take a stab at this one. So 
While AJHP Resident Edition is a fantastic opportunity and platform for this research, we always stress the importance that residents and co-authors need to assess what is the best audience for their research and what is the best avenue for them to reach the full potential or influence of their research. Brian and I have always been in full support of pharmacy research published in multidisciplinary and physician-focused journals, especially to help increase that visibility of pharmacy within just healthcare in general. But with all that being said, we think that with the rebranding of JHPR to AJHP Residence Edition, that it will provide a lot of exposure and a lot of, and a large audience in association with a prestigious and widely recognized name in pharmacy, and that AJHP Residence Edition is designed for resident publications and will give them exposure with a top-tier journal as if they had submitted it to any other. So we would definitely support uh, submission to AJHP Residence Edition. Well, Dr. Brian McCarthy and Dr. David Reardon, thank you very much for having this conversation with me that will give listeners important information about the AJHP Residence Edition. Congratulations on the work you did in launching in 2011 the Journal of Health System Pharmacy Residence and on the new phase of your creation. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org.